Welcome inside the Florham Park Studios. Ethan Greenberg here alongside Eric Allen and the greatest statistician in the building and the greatest statistician that I have ever met, Mr. Randy Lang. In the building. How about in the tri-state area? I was going to say I was going to say in the world. <laughs> oh, how about that, Langer? I'm not worthy. I can tell you that. But thank you very much. Uh, you, I think actually, Randy. I think the Jets fans have a little something to say to you, and. Nice. All Thank right. Yeah, well, the, the first sound edition effects. of the soundboard here. Yes, Coming indeed. from the new house school, the Ethan podcast. Greenberg. All right. <laughs> Greenie's the host and he's the board op. And I'm the, uh, we, we, we try to do it all here. Anyway, March Madness is upon us. It's March 22nd to date. I caught up with Lachlan Edwards yesterday, and he is a fan of March Madness, to say the least, but he doesn't know too much about it. <laughs> and just a, as a little teaser on NewYorkJets.com in the coming days, We'll have a profile on Locke Edwards. I asked him a series of questions, and based on his answers, we're, we're going to determine what team Locke Edwards should be a fan of. So my question to you then is, obviously EA is a Gator Nation guy. Not I have a graduate degree from Florida, so yes. And, and you are, and you are I'm a, proud your to Gators be are playing a Florida quite well. Gator. Yeah, what? Your Gators are playing quite well. Yeah, they are. I made uh, the University of Virginia look like a high school team. (laughs) (laughs) And I have much respect for the University of Virginia. That's not a knock. I just think that was a monstrous win, Ethan. I think Virginia is a great team. I've seen them play, but they also lost to Syracuse in the Elite Eight last year, therefore propelling Syracuse to the Final Four. So I I like Virginia. Hey, so I I am excited to read what uh, Lachlan Edwards or punter from down under had to say about the madness uh, you know uh, we know you caught up with him the other day so we're excited to see what he had to say about the tournament as we've reached the sweet 16 now langer what team do you have an allegiance toward the team uh i'm on Bilal powell's side you're on the, <laughs> you're on the villa huh? but louisville's out well you know what can I, i'm on that that team and villanova because that's Bob Parenti's team. Okay. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> both and they're both, both out. out. <laughs> unfortunately, and Duke, they're out. And yeah. uh, did you fill out a bracket? Yes, I did. And are you still alive in your championship game? I have UCLA beating Arizona. West Coast flavor in the championship game. Correct. And did you fill out a bracket? I did not. The only thing I can bring to the table is that back in the day, I did used to win money. Uh, <laughs> On the brackets. Oh, okay. But then I, I kind of abandoned that after I left uh, certain newspapers. All right, so Langer's crazy. good with the numbers in more than one way. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to an old anecdote about Bill Parcells in the old Hofstra media room. <laughs> During a news conference, the phone rang. He said, hey, Lang, is that your bookie? So uh, <laughs> uh, it was not. <laughs> oh, Lang, full of the stories. Unfortunately, uh E.G. is out of his bracket. He picked Louisville. Uh, so, so that uh, so that's a twenty-four second clock violation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh uh, yeah, it's more than a twenty-four second clock violation. That is see you later, alligator, and that's not a Florida. A lot plot. of brownie points for Blau Paul today. You both uh, supporting the Cardinals. Uh, Very I, nice. I thought I picked Louisville, honest to God, because I thought it was an under the radar pick not a lot of teams were or not a lot of people were picking Louisville I said you know what I'm going to go with them I watched them play Syracuse twice this year thought they looked good and 
I went with them, and they and they failed me. But I do have Arizona in my in my uh, left side of the bracket. David so. Harris's uh, Michigan Wolverines mm-hmm. are on quite a run. That that indeed they are four and four straight to win the big ten tournament. Not to mention that they had the whole plane scare when yeah. it slid off the runway, and they had to wear the <laughs> practice jerseys in the sure. Big Ten tourney. Sure, you know, so you know, Harris is pretty uh, pumped about that, and uh, he can talk to the young buck there and Lee about that because Ohio State didn't even make that CA tournament this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I, I can't say anything because Syracuse didn't make it either, and they lost to Ole Miss and they got knocked out. So Syracuse is uh, not the best 2017 so far for the Orange. Lost their assistant, lost their assistant coach, lost their star player. Anyway, let's talk football. Let's talk football. That's what people want, man. Let's Let's get into it. All right. So EA last week caught up with Charles Davis, NFL Network's Charles Davis, New Paltz alum. I know you like to throw that in there. Oh yeah, he's a proud New Paltz alum. A proud New Paltz alum. Play at the University of Tennessee. Uh, Later on, but uh, I think Charles is just uh, a fine gentleman. I really appreciate. the coverage we've been uh, putting out there because we were joined by Charles this week, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network as well, and then we're also going to talk to uh, Bucky Brooks. So we got the draft covered uh, all over the place. But, yeah, Charles was great. NFL draft, April 27th, 29th, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And uh, funny enough, you mentioned Charles Davis from Tennessee, just to circle back real quick. I was in Knoxville around this time last year for about two hours, Mm-hmm. And we got dinner. My friends and I got dinner at this place called Gus's, and it has all these photos of famous Tennessee alum. And sure enough, Charles Davis was on there, okay. suit and tie. So that that is my I closest guess Peyton, allegiance Peyton Manning to Charles. Was probably up on the board. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> if he weren't up on the board, I think there'd be a problem down in Knoxville. Nonetheless, so EA caught up with Charles Davis. Many topics they discussed, but one topic, EA, you laid out. You you know you talked to Charles. You said. If you were the Jets sitting at six, or if he were, and he were in the position to choose between, on the offensive side, between someone like Leonard Fournette out of LSU, O.J. Howard, the tight end from Bama, Mike Williams, and Corey Davis, the top two receiving prospects, you kind of laid out the line for him, and this is what he had to say. I would take Fournette at six. I'd be a little more leery about taking Howard at six. Who else did you mention there? Oh, oh, the, the receivers, Mike Williams and, and, and Corey Mike, Davis. And Mike Williams is six. Yeah, yeah, Mike Williams and Corey Davis at six. I don't know that I'd go that high for a receiver, not, not in this year's crop, because they are big-body guys who make plays. We'll, look, you and I will not know what Corey Davis runs, maybe ever, because he's not going to run a 40. Yep. Okay? He's not going to go out there and sprint for us, right, because he's been injured. We know Mike Williams ran four five five, I believe, yesterday at his pro day at Clemson. He did not run at the combine, but four five five is fine for him. But for me to go that high for a receiver, I want to have that whole package to go up there. Fournette, to me, you can use him for three downs. People act like he can't catch the football. He can. I think he catches it better coming out of school than Adrian Peterson did by by far. And he's a bigger, thicker guy. Yeah, he was two forty at the combine, ran four five one. That seemed to be unimpressive to some people, and I just started laughing. I said, you ever want to be a defensive back, defensive uh, back or a linebacker, fill in a hole, 4 5 one, 240 coming at you and ready to, to feed you his pads? I don't want any That's part of that. fast enough. <laughs> plenty fast enough, okay? And I think he may even drop down and play around 230. So he gets a little bit quicker. 
He's a guy that I do believe is a three-down running back. He's a guy that I think can have a major league impact on your offense to control some things, take the ball out of the hands of the of the other team, keep give your defense some rest, and wear down people as you go along. So to me, at six, if they if they called Leonard Fournette, I think that'd be a big time pickup for them. So that's Charles Davis on those prospects right there. Now Leonard Fournette is someone obviously that most pundits describe as a beast. A freak of nature, any any synonym of any of those words. So, you guys have seen a bunch of drafts over the years. Does Leonard Fournette like who? Who's there's Leonard Fournette this year? In previous years, who's been the beast? Well, well it's a good question. I'm going to turn uh, the table. Uh, you know, uh, give some time here to Langer because I want to get his thoughts on this because. He's been covering drafts for three decades. My question uh, to Charles, as we just heard his answer, is I said that everybody's talking about the 2017 draft that is going to be dominated by defensive players, especially early, mm-hmm. and we know the familiar names. Miles Garrett could go number one overall to Texas A&M. We've heard about Jamal Adams, the safety out of Louisiana State University. Jonathan Allen, a defensive end, an interior lineman from Alabama. Solomon Thomas, a guy that uh, who's really, his stock has skyrocketed of late. Another pass rusher, uh, more of an interior guy, I think, but he's a defensive end. He can move inside, I think, uh, when you're in sub-packages from Stanford. And then we talk about this depth at the cornerback position, and everybody's uh, obviously starting with Marshawn Lattimore. He's had some hamstring issues along the way. So I asked uh, Charles about the offensive players. So, Langer, what do you think about Charles's answer? And to Ethan's question, you know, just a follow-up on that, uh, would you compare Fournette? To anybody and, and talk about the, 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 our situation here at the Jets, the running back situation. Yeah, uh, you know, Fournette is a monster, as we've mm-hmm. said, and um, I think the one fear of of fans is that you get a monster for maybe four years, and then he's you know he's done because he's been pounding away, um, and uh, you know that's not necessarily true, but. Uh, it, it's also, I mean, he's the top back, and he may not be there, uh, you know, because Jacksonville or Tennessee might be interested in taking him before the Jets do. That'd so, be a wild card. It, is that Jacksonville's would, got the former Jet and Chris Ivory, yes, and then we know uh, uh, Tennessee's got uh, DeMarco Murray, I believe. And, and Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry. So right. I think. Now, Ivory, you know, didn't have a great first sure. year as a free agent with Jacksonville after leaving us. Right. Uh, so they might be ready to move on, and uh, you know, try. They're they're rebuilding again, but they seem to have an idea of where they want to be. A lot be. of talent so, there. Yep. So that could be a, an option for them. I kind of like what we seem to be doing, and uh, I have no inside information. Let's always state that up front. But uh, you know, Mike McCagnan has said we're we're in business. You know, people want to call us. Will answer the phones any round, including number six. But where were the Jets reported to be, was it yesterday, 
at Mitch Trubisky's uh, workout. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to clarify something. Because fans always ask me, and they ask you, and they even ask Ethan when he goes back to Syracuse and says, <laughs> hey, were the Jets at this guy's pro day? Let's clarify this. And I'm not down-talking anybody out there, but I really want to say this is that the Jets are represented at more than 90% of the pro days Absolutely. throughout the nation during this time. It's not possible to have a person at every single pro day, but every one of the major pro days, the Jets are represented in some kind of form or fashion. I, I just want to jump off something that you said mm -hmm. where Mike McCagnin says, you know, the Jets are open for businesses in every round. He said, call us up in Indianapolis at the Combine. That's right. So I was doing, when looking at mock drafts, looking at, you know, different trade scenarios, this and that, something that piques my interest is that assuming none of the teams in the top five are in the four are in the four net sweepstakes i think jacksonville is the is the biggest threat per se to mm -hmm. draft leonard Fournette. so if the jets are there at six and leonard Fournette is there at six i think that the jets are at the front of what i call the leonard Fournette sweepstakes mm -hmm. and if a team falls in love with Fournette, mm -hmm. that could be a potential gold mine for them. Let's say, for example, the one that comes to my mind is the Cleveland Browns sitting at 12. Assuming they draft Miles Garrett at 1, mm -hmm. maybe they want to jump up and draft Leonard Fournette to solidify their backfield, and then the Jets could trade down, and the Browns have a plethora of picks in this draft, so it would be a mutually beneficial trade. Obviously, as Randy said, I have no inside information, but I have played that in my mind, and that seems to be an ideal trade scenario for both teams. And I think it's quite interesting because, as you mentioned, if Jacksonville very, mel very well may take Fournette. And I think the whole situation with, you know, do you get a beast for four years? Is that the way the NFL is going? It's a, passing, it's a passing league. It's not a big body back kind of league anymore. This guy, is, I feel like, kind of defies that in a way just because he's so fast and so big. And something that stuck out is what Charles Davis said is that he can catch the ball. And that at the combine, he caught the ball. Not to say that's going to be his forte. No, no pun intended well, with Jets running back. Well, that's that a forte. great point. And that's another, another uh, thing to address here is that Jets were really happy what they got out of Matt Forte early in the season. Unfortunately, the knee bothered him late. Blau Powell really showcased what he could do as a number one over that last quartet of games. So right now you have the two veteran backs in the backfield. Um, you asked about a, a Fournette. Uh, Who would I compare him to? Maybe he's got a little Adrian Peterson in him. And maybe that's too much. Maybe he's got a little – does he got a little Marshawn Lynch in him? Here, here's my other thing with this draft is that at the running back position too – if you do move back, there are a couple other guys, Langer, who are mm -hmm. dynamic talents. And you think about Delvin, Delvin Cook, Cook from Florida State. And Christian McCaffrey can do McCaffrey everything, can do Langer. Everything. Yes, he can. He, he had a very nice uh, combine, if we want to take a little side journey there, because I did take a few notes. Uh, you know, he did a, um, a six five seven in the three cone, number two among running backs. Uh, he was a four two two in the 20 shuttle. That was, I believe, fourth, and he was the best running back in the 60 shuttle. And, uh, you know, he also, I think, uh, did he win the Horning Award? 
I believe he did. He probably did. So he, he was the most versatile in the country. He accounted for over 200 yards yeah. per game. He can return. You can line him up in the slot. Yeah. You can line yeah. him up. He, he has receiver-like qualities. And again, he played on a Stanford team, no knock on the Cardinal, mm-hmm. where other teams were focused on stopping him all year. He was the guy. I think he has the potential to be an awfully good pro for a while. So um, it's interesting because this draft, it has to have the Jets very excited because depth at a lot of positions that we haven't seen in the past. I'm thinking about cornerback and tight end specifically, and then we're talking about running back right mm-hmm. now. So uh, we'll have to see how all the dominoes play. And we've been talking maybe for 10 minutes now, and we haven't even talked about quarterback yet. Well, I, I, I was going to, you know, you asked about Fournette. You also asked about the receivers. I wanted to show the receivers a little love here. Mm-hmm. The two guys you mentioned were Clemson receiver Mike Williams and Western Michigan receiver Corey Davis, widely figured to be the top two receivers off the board. And um, I don't know if you, if either of you know Corey Davis' story, but uh, I saw this piece this past week, and quite interesting, quite, great story to say the least. He, he had a tough upbringing and decided to move out of his parents' house in high school to live with his best friend and his family, and then they've been best buds ever since, and Corey mm. Davis is you know, destined to do big things in the NFL. No, he played a small... Uh, a small school and, and playing at the, at the MAC level. Right. Um, tremendous route runner. I think people have uh, compared him. I heard somebody compare him to, to Raul Owens. Which I heard a, that also. Which is a hell of a compliment. Mike Williams is kind of a guy Deshaun Watson loved at Clemson because you can throw to Mike Williams and he's not open, he's still going to make a play for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 7-11. Good. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, Langer. It's going to be interesting to see where these guys end up falling. Will well, one of them be in the top ten? I don't yes, know. Yes, that's true. And then I, I don't know if I'm forcing the issue here, but there was another very fast wide receiver we haven't mentioned who I saw creeping into the second half of the first round. That's John Ross. John Ross from Washington, who and, can you know, run like the wind. Four, was it a 4-2-2? Two, two? Broke the record for the electronic timing uh, that was held forever by Chris Johnson. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he had a, a very impressive combine. And, and I think, you know, you don't want to have the Mike Mamula effect and force a guy uh, up into a position where he doesn't belong. But uh, that's certainly a good sign for a guy who's trying to make his name in, in uh, the draft and, and in the NFL. And, and John Ross has certainly done that it, already. It's a speed game. And I watched a, a lot of University of Washington uh, ball games last year. Mm-hmm. And they have a pretty good young quarterback in uh, Jake Browning. And every time they complete a, a, a ball down the field, a vertical strike, it seems like he was underthrown the guy. Uh, and the ball, because Ross, you can't overthrow him. You can't overthrow him. Like that, but that speed, the four two two, unbelievable. And he's got game speed four two two. And <laughs> just, just for the record, John Ross is not a one trick pony. He's not just the four two two guy. He no. does, he does have good hands, good explosiveness. His, uh, I think. It's said that his route running needs to be polished, but every receiver's route running needs to be polished when going up to the next level. So John Ross isn't just a, a one-trick pony. I'm just reiterating the fact because a lot of I think when 
a lot of fancy, he's fast, that draws the eye, but it's like, oh, maybe that's all he can do. That's not all he can do. He's more talented than that. He is currently the 22nd-ranked prospect on Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. Corey Davis and Mike Williams are 10 and 11, respectively. So it'll be interesting to see how those three play out. And you mentioned, EA, you, you talked about O.J. Howard to with Charles Davis, and as a whole, this tight end class is the deepest it's been in years. So let's see what Charles Davis had to say on this year's tight end class when asked, can you find guys in the mid-rounds? And I think that the tight end crop gets, gets deeper every year because you've witnessed this. We've taken a lot of wide receivers who are bigger guys and told them, just hit the weight room a little bit more, and we'll use you as a flex tight end. Because you have to convince them nowadays, right? Because it used to be, hey, if we're moving you to tight end was like a threat to a wide receiver. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. I'll lose weight. I promise. I'll lose weight. Because that meant going inside, putting your nose in, in the chest of someone and spending a lot of time blocking. Nowadays, they can move, put you in the flex, make you a move tight end, as we like to call it. And you can still be a wide receiver, just you're going to work the inside parts of, parts of the field more than the outside parts. So I think you can find talent and guys deeper into the draft. You know, we know the top of the draft, O.J. Howard, you know, David Njoku. I thought Evan Ingram blew the top off of the combine. You were there. And yep. all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I knew he was good, but my goodness, man, he can fly. Um, you know, Jake Butt coming off of an injury. Someone's going to get a steal out of him. I think as you move on into the draft, a Jordan Leggett out of Clemson, this Adam Shaheen kid out of Ashland is going to be a very interesting draft pick for someone because of the level of ball he played, the size. What do he weigh, 277, 276 at the combine? He's a mammoth man. So how are you going to utilize him? Will he be your traditional type tight end? Or is he big enough and fast enough to be a move tight end? I think you can go all the way down into this draft. and I'll give, I'll give you a couple of guys that I absolutely like that probably will be third-day guys. But maybe you, you're talking about a Pharaoh Brown out of Oregon, depending on how the medical checks out. He had a horrible leg injury a couple of years ago. Do you want to take a look at him down the road? A Daryl Daniels at Washington, another former receiver that ended up moving the tight end. A Seaton Carter at Nebraska. Guys like that that I think you can get down the line a little bit. Josiah Price from Michigan State is your old-school tight end. He's going to line up in line first, and then he'll fool you catching the football. So, obviously, this tight end crop is extremely talented. It's the best one that I remember. I don't know. I've been working in the business for a while, and you have as well, Langer. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember ever talking about a tight end group like this. No, I don't. I mean, what was it, Jay Samaro's class? We had a few there, but it was not as deep. It was only top-heavy, maybe. Right. And uh, I don't even know where Jace is right now, but uh, he's not with the Jets. And uh, so, But, you know, the Jets... Uh, have pretty much not used the tight end for two years. New offense coordinator, John New Morton. And Mike McKagan did say in Indy that we would like to get a pass-catching tight end. Absolutely. And so I think that's a good omen for the Jets in their offense that uh, the tight end is reintroduced. And uh, it does not have to be O.J. Howard because he may not be there. And if he is, maybe that's a position where the Jets – use that as that leverage to trade down and get some nice picks. And then they go with another one of those you know, tight ends, whether it's David Njoku or whoever, uh, later in the first round or early in the second. They tap into that depth, but they do add to that position, and they find the guy that's going to be uh, you know, going to have the staying power and then the, uh, 
you know, the wherewithal to make it in the NFL and, and to be a force for whoever the quarterback is that the Jets settle on. So it, ju- just, just to interrupt real quick, Jason Morrow, one, you said where is he? Plays for the Tennessee Titans. Now. He's with the Titans. Two, in his draft, Eric Ebron, Ebron. got drafted by the Detroit Lions. Lions. He is the lo- last top ten pick of a tight end. And since then, there have been no top tight end picks. They could top change. ten, which could change this I'm year. I'm not guaranteeing that. Mel Kuyper had today released a mock draft, had O.J. Howard to the Jets at six. Mm-hmm. And in Todd McShay's last mock draft, he had O.J. Howard all the way up at number four to the to Jacksonville the Jaguars, Jaguars yeah. because Julius Thomas is now a member of the Miami Dolphins, so they do not have a tight end or a starting caliber tight end. Maybe they do on their roster. I guess we'll find out. But O.J. Howard would be a nice addition to any club that he is a part of. Now, I want to rewind back to what uh, McCagnan said in Indy. said that we could be looking to add a left tackle. We want to address the quarterback position. We want to get a pass-catching tight end. Never can have enough pass rushers. And then he talked about cornerbacks. So obviously the Jets want to address a number of areas. Langer, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Jets' free agency to date with their addition specifically getting Kelvin Beecham, Beecham right. who potentially pencil him in at left tackle, I would suppose, yes. right now. Uh, I don't think Ben Igelina has officially signed his contract, but it sounds like that could be close to happening. Maybe he battles on the right-hand side uh, at right tackle with the branded shell. The quarterback position, the Jets just signed a veteran, and Josh McCown, who's been around. Um, you got the two young guys in there with Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg, as we know. So we've addri- they address that. And then they go out and get uh, Morris Claiborne at the cornerback position. Can you talk about what jumps out at you uh, as far as the Jets' free agency so far? Well, I thought the Beecham pick was very interesting because they, you know, that was their first move, I think, in free agency. And uh, it was it addressed a need, and uh, Beecham is not that far removed from being Ben Roethlisberger's blindside protector, and a very good one for about a year and a half. And then he got injured, and then he went to Jacksonville, and not so good last year, but he was coming back from the injury, and yet he has a very good track record. He's a he's a good uh, off-field guy, and that's something else that Mike McCagnin stressed. You don't want to build a roster of of you know, great off-the-field guys, they have to play football, too. It looks like Kelvin Beecham can do that. So that was a very interesting choice. McCown was understated, obviously, because he was, uh, he's a 37 or 38-year-old Yeah, he's going to turn 38, right? Turn 38. This is going to be his 10th team. 10th team, and uh, actually 11th pro team, if you want to count the Hartford Colonials of the UFL. (laughs) Yeah, you can check out uh, Langer's (laughs) listicle on McCown by the numbers on NewYorkJets.com. Go ahead. Exactly. You know, but as far as somebody to come in, Possibly win the job this year, but certainly to help the young quarterbacks, whoever they are. We know Bryce Petty. We know Christian Hackenberg. We don't know who's coming in the draft, if anyone. Right. So, you know, you've got another group of, of young quarterbacks who will need some guidance. McCown is certainly a guy who can do that. And then, uh, you know, the Morris Claiborne pick was very interesting, the signing, just because, you know, he, he's a guy who had so much expectation coming into Dallas. Uh, and... Um, it seemed like he got off to a fairly good start, but then he had a lot of injuries. And, you know, I know the Cowboys fans were kind of, you know, we're waiting for him to get started. He finally got started last year, 
uh, in his fifth year. And uh, he, for the first eight games, he was one of the top cornerbacks in the league up until he got hurt. Right. And so, you know, he had a groin injury, and that kept him out the second half of the season. But he did return for the playoffs for one game. Uh, he, he does want to play this game, and he does play it at a high level, but it's a matter of, you know, he needs to, to get that continuity, that momentum going. And I don't know if he's a guy who needs that change of scenery, but maybe that's something that would work in his favor. And, and I thought helping the Jets secondary out, that was a good signing. Low-risk, high-reward signings exactly. in Beecham and Claiborne. Um, because, uh, as Langer said, Beecham is a, a talented guy. I think he's thought uh, highly of around the league. Now, can he take that next step? Can he become a good left tackle, where he's considered one of the better ones. Claiborne is all the talent in the world. I think what's going to help him here, which nobody's talking about right now, is we have one of the best medical staffs in the business headed by John Melody. You look at the Jets over the years. They've done wonders with guys. So I think Morris Claiborne is going to um, like it here, the environment here. And he's got a, a tremendous opportunity. And then McCown... Remember what Brandon Marshall said about him last year is that uh, he's a great veteran, going to know the offense, going to be a good locker room presence. And again, guys, you know, people are saying, well, why McCown? Well, what, what was out there? I mean, I think the Jets did their due diligence on everything, but what was out there and what was the best fit for their team at this time? And McCown comes in here. That doesn't mean, as Randy said, Jets still could add a quarterback in the draft. And I'll tell you what, if they love one of these guys at six, go take them if you do. You know, I never, I never, uh, Randy and I discuss this all the time. Mm -hmm. You love a quarterback, you go get him. I think the biggest question with Claiborne is, is he going to keep number 24? That That remains to be seen. Uh, but the one thing we do know is that in the Darrell Revis interregnum, in between his uh, his leaving and his return in 2015, the Jets did assign number 24, um, and they assigned it to Philip Adams, a cornerback. Philip Adams, right? Um, a few running backs, uh, John Griffin, I believe, and uh, Khalil Bell. Uh, these are guys you know you don't remember because I don't even know if they made it to the regular season. Yeah, I don't think Griffin made it. But to the regular they season, they did, did wear 24 in the off season, yeah. so the number was assigned. Yeah. After Darrell Rivas leaves the team now. Does that number become available again? I don't know. But, you know, this is um, a number that um, Mo Claiborne has worn his entire pro career. Mm-hmm. I think I don't I didn't read anything where he wanted that number. I think the Cowboys wanted to give him that number mm-hmm. uh, in uh, maybe in, in a uh, the sense of uh, continuing the the cornerback tradition that was uh, started by Everson Walls and Larry Brown. And OK, here's the next 24. Uh, so I don't know how married he is to that number, but. Uh, and I haven't heard anything here yet, but I'd say there's possibility that he might wear that number. Yeah, it was encouraging. When he's on the field, he was a productive player. Like uh, you were just mentioning, is that over the first eight games, is that, hey, you, you might be able to say that he was one of the better cornerbacks in football last year. He's got all the athletic skill in the world. Uh, Beecham, another guy who's a, a good athlete, and um, 
I think he'll like being here with this training staff as well. And he's excited to be here. He said the Jets talked to him last offseason as well. And then uh, McCown again. I think he's just a consummate pro. And I think he's a good guy to add in the locker room. And you want, you want a veteran. They went in there saying, hey, listen, all options are on the table. And I bet you Mike McCagnan would still say that if you talked to him today. All right. options are on the table at the quarterback position. Brandon Marshall also, when he saw that McCown was signing with the Jets, he tweeted it. And he tweeted, you know, love the signing, blah, blah, blah. I know you said that he talked highly of McCown in years past, but it is reaffirmed. That and he, he worked is. with Jeremy Bates, the Jets quarterback coach, yes, before in yeah. Chicago. What year was that? Was that 12, I think. I, I don't know. I don't think. I think you're right. Yeah. I don't think 13. I, I mean, 13 he was there was, two seasons. Right. Right. 13 was a very good year for him, oh, I believe. Yeah. He had 13 touchdown passes, yeah. one interception. Right. I mean, that was like Nick Foles and, uh, you know. Who else do you want to pick out from this past year who, who never threw? Well, Tom Brady. Well, we won't go there. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, guys who have a, a great sense of that offense, have a grasp of the offense, know where to go with it. He only played eight games, I believe, that year. I yep. mean, he was kind of a fill-in there, but he did a great job of, of uh, handling that situation. He handles any situation. Yeah, that's smart going. guy. He's going to know the system. Bottom, that's why he's had ten different homes. I mean, the uh, uh, bottom line is that... Here's a guy who's gonna he's gonna grasp the playbook uh, really quickly, and I like that he's got familiarity with Jeremy Bates, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how this offense comes together under uh, John Morton because we've never seen him as a professional play caller. Of course, he was at USC under Pete Carroll in 2009. That's right. Yeah, with Jeremy Bates. With Jeremy <laughs> also, real quick on Mo Claiborne, last season in, in his seven games that he played, he allowed a 63. Passer rating, which is ninth among corners, and a 51.9% catch allowed, which is 11th among cornerbacks. So there's some the talent, the talents, the yeah. talents there. And uh, be another thing we'll have to keep a watch on is the Jets could add another cornerback in this draft, mm-hmm. uh, a draft that is loaded not only at the cornerback position but at the safety position. And then you have some young guys here, Daryl. Roberts claimed off waivers from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I thought he did some nice things last year. Justin, Justin Burris, Burris, we saw him getting some play time down the stretch. Uh, Buster Screen will return again. Uh, will he be the outside in the base, or does he go back to nickel? We'll have to see. But I've always been a big fan of Buster and what he brings to the table. Also, quick plug, next week, cornerbacks. We talked about tight ends today. Charles Davis and EA got got in it about the quarterback cornerbacks and quarterbacks, but next week we're going to get into the secondary and Charles Davis is we're going to pick his brain a little more on that. And again, we talked about the tight end class. I'm going to leave you with some parting knowledge. EA and Randy have dropped their knowledge. They have more than I do because they've seen more than I have around the NFL. But real quick, let let me leave the audience, and you two, EA and Randy, with some lovely tight end stats. So, O.J. Howard is top of the class, for sure. 83 receptions in his uh, in his starting years. 83 receptions, 1,197 yards, and five touchdowns. You may seem that sounds rather pedestrian. It is said that O.J. Howard was perhaps underutilized in the offensive system ran there at Alabama, but he is nonetheless very effective, and he torched Clemson last year in that title game. He was single-handedly, well, not single-handedly, very close to single-handedly kept Alabama in that game and allowed the Crimson wow. Tide to 
How about that? Emerge victorious. <laughs> I, I think um, he's going to be scouting pretty soon for somebody. <laughs> All right, but so, someone that I did want to touch on is Evan Ingram. Charles Davis said he blew yes. the top off the combine. Ole Miss. Ole Miss product, yep. In his starting career, which is three seasons, 141 receptions, 2,052 yards, and 12 touchdowns. And so, two, two guys to leave you off with. Jake Butt, Michigan receiver, tore his ACL in injury, the... Yep. In the bowl, in his bowl game, he elected to play. He unfortunately suffered injury, so that will be interesting to see where he goes. Now, the guy that is debated is number two in the tight end crop, David Njoku out of Miami. This is a staggering statistic that I learned this morning. And he he has started two seasons essentially. This last season was his coming out party, his main season. Forty three re- this year, his stat line: forty three receptions, six hundred ninety eight yards and eight touchdowns, which means that he has a touchdown reception every five catches. What the hell did you just say? Yep, that's right. Every five catches is exactly what David Njoku gets in the end zone. So he is quite the You were waiting a long time to drop that out on us, huh? I don't want to throw any cold water on that, but Kellen Davis also catches a touchdown every five catches, Uh -uh. although he doesn't get the ball thrown to him that much. (laughs) But but David Njoku gets the ball thrown to him a lot more. David Njoku also grew up in New Jersey, and he grew up a Jets fan. And Mm -hmm. then as he as he became more of a football player, recruit, he's now said, whoever drafts me, I will be that fan. So he is politically correct in the interview room. Seems like a nice kid. He's also has never, he's not legal to take a sip of alcohol. He's 20 years old. He turns 21 on July 10th, 2017. Well, a so lot he's of young quite guys coming out nowadays. Darren Lee, how old was he when he was coming? Was he 21? I don't know. Leonard Williams was. Yeah, Leonard, Leonard, was, a, Leonard was a baby as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. We just saw him in the Pro Bowl last year. Uh, yeah, we're, we're all excited for the draft, Ethan, and we're going to continue to um, keep everybody updated uh, as far as analysis uh, is concerned by continuing to talk amongst ourselves and also um, with the folks who are covering these Pro Days and studying tape each and every day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Jets team in transition right now. We all know that. Uh, Langer... Uh, the team is definitely becoming younger, huh? It's becoming younger, and, you know, that's what you have to do these days. Um, it's nice to have the old guys around for old guys like me to reminisce about, but you kind of saw it coming uh, when last year wasn't unfolding the way everybody wanted it to. You just knew that there were going to be some tough cuts and some uh, very popular jets and some very, um, you know, long times top performers who might not be with us. There might even be a few more. Yeah, you never know. To leave. You don't know as things unfold. But uh, every offseason is a time for renewal for every NFL team. And if you're going to rebuild, well, all right, it may take you a little longer. But this is the NFL. That means not for long in a lot of different ways. It means not for long do you have to wait to rebuild or refurbish or however you want to characterize it because you can be competitive even as you are you know, putting new pieces back into the puzzle. The one thing that's really bothering me right now is that uh, there's been a few people uh, dropping uh, the Jets' name with the Cleveland Browns. And I don't have a problem with the Cleveland Browns organization. I actually think they're on their way up. I love Hugh Jackson. Uh, they struggled last year. Um, but... Uh, my point uh, being is 
the Jets won five games last year. They made a lot of moves that they had to in a salary cap era. They wanted to become a, a younger team, and they want to build through the draft. We don't know what this team is going to look like. Everybody's looking at the roster right now, making predictions what this Jets team is going to be in 2017. We have to wait to see what happens in the draft because there are a lot of impact players, and the Jets are going to find probably multiple starters, multiple starters probably immediately. So it could be three, could be four players coming in here, and those guys could make impacts. This draft... Is exciting, and the Jets have four picks in the first three rounds, and maybe all four of those picks, guys, could be starters for this team. And again, the Jets, if they move back from six, we had another they, 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 to they, that. they could have six picks That's in the right. first three rounds. So I think it's way too early to say, okay, the Jets are going to be this, Jets are going to be that. Well, let's wait to see. The EA is saying slow. Your horses, yeah. hold them back a little bit. Well, yeah, I think you do have to. I think that's the the fair thing to do right now. April's draft, a little over a month away, March twenty second. Now, April twenty seventh to the 29th in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. It's going to be a great time. We have your coverage, NewYorkJets.com. As we mentioned, Charles Davis was indirectly with us today in bits and pieces of his knowledge. Charles is always with us. Charles is always with us. He's still, but he's still alive. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> We're making him sound like he's he's not he's not around anymore. He he's very everywhere. much is. I think he's on the path to the draft every night on the NFL network with Daniel Jeremiah. Who we also recently talked to him and we'll be providing some of his thoughts on the site in video form and an editorial form over the next and that's days. A te- and, and that's a teaser for you right there. Yes. So be sure to check out Charles Davis, Daniel Jeremiah, Mo Claiborne's listicle, Josh McCown's listicle, every listicle that Randy Lang puts out there. And Lachlan Edwards talking March Madness. And Lachlan Edwards, my guy. Oh, Talk- here you go. Lachlan Edwards. Randy, Sam Houston State product. Who else went to Sam Houston State? On the Jets roster. Josh McCown. Josh McCown. <laughs> oh, it's a small It world. all comes full circle. Locke told me yesterday. Sam Houston State is not part of the Sweet 16. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think I know that. Neither is Syracuse. Anyway, Locke told me that the academic advisor at Sam Houston State has a photo of Locke and Josh McCown after this year's Jets-Browns matchup <laughs> oh, wow. in Cleveland. So that is on the wall there. And that photo will be surfacing on NewYorkJets.com in some capacity in the coming months. And we have not decided how, but um, that, that's a teaser. Whenever that drops, photo- it drops, our new photographer Dan, I'm sure, will take a nice photo of them in both green and white. Yeah, indeed, he will. Yes, and that's all we got. Again, April 27th to the 29th, NFL Draft, Philadelphia. We have your coverage throughout NewYorkJets.com every season, 24/7, 365. And one one small favor to ask. Please subscribe to the Jets Podcast Network. It is a single button on your phone, and that's all you need to do, and you get unlimited access to EA, Randy, myself. What more could you ask for? If you're an Arizona fan, maybe you win. But other than that, consider yourself educated on the tight end class.